RDT Systems, baby. Dog tested and dog tough. We've got those soft mouth dummies. Now listen, everybody knows that we need more bumpers. I'm not talking about one or two or three. I'm talking about adding bumpers to your repertoire. I like using white or black and white bumpers when I'm training my dogs for marks and even blinds. You can get the orange ones. I dig it. But add a bunch to your repertoire. And I'm again, I'm not talking about three to six. If you're working on T pattern, if you're working on blinds and pattern blinds, you need a bunch, a dozen, 18. The Soft Mouth Dummies by DT can't be beat. Check them out, LoneDuckOutfitters.com. DT Difference. Let's go. Hashtag man's best kennel. It's Gunner Kennels, baby. It's a kit. We had Addison on the, the podcast, a phenomenal dude, always innovating our industry. And one of the things that he brought up is it's a kit. It's not just the kennel itself. You've got the fan 2.0 for your summer, right? Like it's hot out. We got to keep that dog cool. In wintertime, you got the all weather kit. Keeps that poor body temperature in there so the dog doesn't have to work as hard to stay warm. They also have the magnetic door accessory that keeps that body temperature in there. And then the straps. Everybody thinks like, oh, I'll just go to Home Depot and get the cheapo straps. Well, listen, they developed these straps so that basically you can lift a VW bug with the two straps. So if you were to get in a car accident on the way to the duck blind or the training grounds, that dog is going to be beyond strapped and stay safe. Check it out. Gunner Kennels, baby. Slide into the DMs. We'll hook you up. Have you wondered if you want to force fetch your dog? Maybe you think your dog's too soft. Maybe you're too nervous to screw, quote unquote, screw your dog up. Let me help you. I built a start to finish course with different dogs, different breeds, and different personalities from start to finish to show you how that you and your dog can do it successfully and easy. Jump in. Links in the description. We'd be happy to help you. Let's go. Let's set goals and get you and your dog where you want to be this duck season. Some things are better left unsaid. A comfortable silence whispered over the unspoken promise exchanged when your eyes first met. Together you share a grueling conviction. He rewards your dedication with a persistent plea for your companionship. If only he knew the feeling was mutual. On that dark, crisp morning, you embark to fulfill his inherent purpose. Four earnest eyes scan the horizon with a concealed intensity when that lone duck interrupts the desolate sky. The crack of your gun unleashes a frantic hunger to retrieve his fallen prize. He returns, fully saturated and satisfied, with the fragrance of gunpowder generously lingering. Together you share a promise kept. It's feelings like this that remind you they're reserved for a select few. There's no need to fill them with empty words. Some things are better left unsaid. Welcome, welcome, Lone Ducks Gun Dog Chronicles, Episode 1. I am Bob Owens, the president of Lone Duck Outfitters and Lone Duck Kennels. I am uh, fired up, to say the least, for Episode 1 of our podcast, uh, the podcast that celebrates retriever training, gun dogs, stories, memories, uh, and the people that participate and just thrive in this community. I'm sitting next to 
uh, my brother, Kevin, and we've got Birdie in Memphis chilling out, probably chewing on bones, so hopefully you don't hear that in the background, but we are here ready to rock this podcast. Uh, we are going to kick this one off with me and Kevin and some Instagram questions that we've had uh, over the last week or two. And some stories of what the unspoken bond means to me and the journey it's taken me on and where the company started and where it is now and where we want it to go. And hopefully you all enjoy the stories. Uh, I'm going to hand the mic over to, to Kevin for a second to introduce himself and then we'll get rolling into episode one. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode one. of the Hold on. Let me stop you right there. Yes, that's Kevin. We both sound alike, so go ahead, Kev. So giddy up. <laughs> uh, I'm Kevin. I am um, fellow hunting waterfowl enthusiast, new to the gun dog world. Uh, like Bob said, I, I have Birdie. Um, Bird's got her junior title, uh, and this is exciting for me because I get to learn a lot uh, alongside everybody else. Um, new to the gun dog world, so I have a lot of the similar questions that everybody else does, so it would be a good time. Sweet. Kevin is going to help produce this. He's extremely savvy in the tech world. Uh, he is very talented with search engine optimization, uh, website, web development, and just a really cool guy. And I'm excited to have a project that I can share with my brother. So I'm excited to have him on uh, with me. And with that being said, let's get into some of our memorable retrieves. Um, the first one, yeah, tell me about, you mentioned a little bit of the unspoken bond there and where all that came from and really just the, the heart and soul of Lone Duck Outfitters, which is a pretty exciting story. But tell me about that first hunt. Uh, we've got an old hunting dog buck. I have my own special memories with uh, the old guy, but tell me about that first Lone Duck story. Yeah, so actually that, I don't know if you'd call it a poem or a story that uh, myself and my buddy CJ wrote when Lone Duck started, oh man, in 2012. Look up how old that is. Seven years? Eight years? Not a math what, guy. Six years? <laughs> I don't know. Anywho, when, part. when I was telling CJ about my company and why, what the unspoken bond means to me and, and what the relationship that Buck and I have and how I would tell the story about his first retrieve. And I kind of put that into an email and he kicked me back that like super eloquent and a little bit, I don't know, maybe the word flamboyant isn't the right word, but I'm gonna throw it out there, CJ flamboyant. But it's, it's, it's anybody who does what we do feels this way. So you pick that puppy out, you know, starting from the beginning, some things are better left unsaid. A comfortable silence whispered over a promise exchanged when your eyes first met. When you pick that puppy out, you begin a journey that is just full of hopes and dreams and m memories to be made. And, and what will it grow up to be like? Will it be the dog of my dreams, right? So when your eyes first met, boom, there you go. And then... From the minute you get that puppy, you start working with it. You start taking it into the fields and its first swims and first retrieves. Um, 
and you start building this relationship and this bond that some may call unspoken. I can really relate to that. It's been it's been pretty exciting with with Birdie. Uh, Bird's a year and a half years old right now, and uh, so we we've been able to really relive all of that with Buck and and through Memphis and Boss yeah, and now with Bird. We got a whole lot of family hunting dogs. We got a lot of dogs. A lot of dogs to choose from when we go out hunting, which is great. But it's been really exciting for me with uh, with Birdie because we've been going through all of those same things in this past year with her first first pheasant season and her first duck season. We've even had some some lone duck road trips yeah. with little birds, so I, I can relate to that. It's been great. Cool. So, you know, again, going back to the Unspoken Bond poem, um, this is a true story, and it involves my buddy Dave, and Dave is about to uh, get out of the Army. He's been in it for several years now, serving the country and kicking some butt. Um, but this was back... Buck's eight years old now. Long time ago. Yeah, so this was seven duck seasons ago. It's probably about how long Lone Duck was around. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. So, anywho, um, seven duck seasons ago, Dave and I went out into uh, a place called Ox Creek. Remember that? Yeah. We haven't been back there in forever. No, yeah, we haven't. And it's probably because there weren't a lot of birds. It's true. Uh, uh, one. It, one lone duck. One lone duck, exactly. So Dave sat there all morning with me and Buck, and it was our first hunt, and the the sky was clear, and the water was glass, and we basically were just drinking coffee and sitting there. We didn't know how to blow a duck call. We didn't know what we were doing, and all of a sudden, that one lone duck breaks over the sky and kind of loops over the decoys and swoops in, and we bust every shell out and you have to sort of knock this bird down uh it was a drake wood duck turned out to be a drake wood duck and all that time i had spent with buck preparation and learning from everybody reading books and dvds and and everything that you're supposed to do all that work all of that time all those hopes and dreams culminated in that one lone duck so it was you 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 can't write it any better like you can't tell that story any better like the dog did what we trained him to do and it was the most fulfilling thing i'd ever seen in my life and it started us on this path traveling up and down the east coast out west to missouri and arkansas and just a lot of miles a lot of miles on the truck a lot of miles on the dog and we've gotten to meet the best people around and and it took me from being a traveling salesman into starting a business into becoming a professional retriever trainer and being mentored by some of the coolest and nicest people in the country teaching me what they know and that's what this podcast is for bringing those people who've taught me onto this podcast and sharing their knowledge with our listeners and hearing their stories about the unspoken bond and the dogs they've had in the past that really changed their life and brought them into where they are now and winning super retriever series and, you know, master national plates. And I'm excited. I I think it's a great, great opportunity. I mean, I listen to the same podcast. I'm sure everybody else does where, you know, there's some really good hunting dog podcasts and there's some other, you know, big game hunting podcasts that I'm sure everyone, uh, you know, can, can relate to, but 
the retriever training podcasts are pretty much non-existent. And so I think this is a really cool way to get in touch with people. We've got a bunch of Instagram questions that people have sent in. We're going to go through those. People want to send in Facebook questions. We're going to go through those. We're going to do this for the retriever training lone duck community. Like everybody out there, like this is, this is going to be cool. Yeah. This is for selfishly. This is for me. Like I, the number one reason I wanted to start a podcast was to connect with my idols, connect with my friends again, and share those relationships that we've built with everybody. And and we're all sponges, so we can learn something from everyone. And the tips that we'll hear, you know, might not be something that changes the world, but it's going to be fun to listen to. We're going to have a good time doing it. And knowledge will be plentiful so we're gonna hear stories about these guys that are talking about their first dogs and helping us with our tips so now getting into another one of my favorite and memorable retrieves of my old boy buck uh, my buddy jeremy and bob and i ventured out to this swamp i'd never been to before in my duck boat which i was super new into using and probably screwed it up in the silt and the mud but we uh we were near lake ontario uh, up here in new york central new york and the three of us and buck went out and it was a super foggy morning kind of cold i don't remember what time of year it was but ducks were in the area and the shooting was plentiful and buck is dropping the hammer on these ducks and we had multiple birds down it was a group of ringnecks came in and if anybody's ever shot ringnecks if you don't kill them they gone so we we had crippled one it's taken off so i told buck to leave the ones that were dead and belly up and sent him for that cripple and hindsight 2020 you know maybe i should have tried to put another round in it or whatever but here he goes, he's trucking after it, and the guys had never hunted with a dog before. So they're like, boy, he's uh, he's, he's pretty far out there. And I'm like, yeah, he, he's got it. And now, like, a minute goes by, and it's it's cold. And I'm like, yeah, he, he's got it. Yeah, no, we don't have to worry. He, he'll, he'll be back. But it's super foggy, so now we can't see him. And I don't know the swamp at all. So Buck's gone, Duck's gone. We got two ducks, you know, feet up belly up in the decoys and the guys are like man i think we need to get the boat out of here and we need to go and find him and i'm like now a couple minutes in thinking yeah this is a good life choice we need to go get buck so we start rocking the boat out from the mud and the muck and out of the cattails and we're heaving and like i think bob jumped out of the boat was like pushing us out of there and I like starting to sweat like okay we're having a hard time getting the boat unlodged and dog's still not back yet and I don't I don't know if I saw him or Jeremy saw him but through the fog here comes this yellow head swimming back to us and we're like dang well hey maybe he he didn't find it and like as he got closer the roar on the boat was probably could have been heard throughout the swamp like he found the duck and then it's perseverance, it's heart, it's drive, it's determination that make a good gun dog. And that retrieve was probably one of the first that showed how big a heart that dog had. 
And, you know, there's a couple other stories like that. And you have one that I wasn't in on, but yeah, the dude was, he's a beast. He's definitely a beast. This is, uh, he's a special dog. He's definitely one of the, the first hunting dogs I've ever hunted with, but he's, he's just a special dog. And I'm sure everybody can relate to that. But, uh, one, one time we're out hunting with my dad and, and Bob, of course, and, and old buck and, he was still a young dog, and we were hunting on a river system uh, in central New York here, and we were kind of like on the opposite side of an island where the river split, and so we're, we're sitting on this side of the river and uh, put, down, put down a duck, and the duck started floating away down around the river bend. And just, just around the river bend. <laughs> cruising <laughs> cruising down the river and uh it was what a hoodie yeah it was uh Smoking it was hoodies. a hooded merganser and sent buck bob was gone i don't know where he went for that but my dad and i were just sitting there like he's gone for a long time and that's thick river current like it's moving we're sitting there we're sitting there and you know this was actually before we even had a duck boat and so we had we had kayaks and a this was this was old this was an old time. So we, uh, middle of winter, kayaking around. So I start dragging the kayaks out, and old Buck started swimming around the corner with that bird. And it was probably five minutes had gone by, and he was swimming upstream, and he just got out of the water like, let me have another one. He's just an animal. Yeah, I think, just to reiterate, one of the comments I made earlier is heart and determination and love for what they do. It, you can't put that in a dog. You can't train that. You can't no. teach a dog to not give up in those circumstances. You can make them do certain things, and you can teach them along the way, but their heart and the grit in their gut is something that is God-given, and their parents and grandparents gave it to them. And I mean, luckily, but, but you train it. You, you train it and, like, nurture that, sure. which is exciting. And just super cool to see, but but man, some dogs have it, and some some dogs don't. might grow into yeah, it. Yeah, they might grow into, into it, it, but, but man, still. some of them you just you can see it in yeah. them. Ferocious. That so, dog would have swam through fire that day. Like he just he nothing was stopping yeah, him through that for sure. So uh, that's another one for old Buck. But I want to give Memphis a little love. Uh, she's right now. She's she's more sleeping of, right now, but she she appreciates some love. Yeah, she's uh, she's out cold. But I want to give her a little bit of love. She is the lone duck mascot right now. Buck's a little bit retired. He comes out of retirement once in a while. He's a little achy and sore. And, uh, and honestly, he really doesn't like playing around the puppies. He He's an ornery old guy now. But uh, Memphis, she's a real deal. She loves the game. Um, she's another one that has a ton of heart, great eyes, great disposition just wants to please and will like she's either sleeping or she's running i was telling somebody that the other day um my favorite story about memphis was this winter when we were doing our winter training trip in south carolina we went to a pretty wealthy gentleman's impoundment it's like his duck camp and they have blinds all around this flooded cornfield. And 
birds were plentiful. I mean, the shooting was good. It was it was a really intense and fun time. And these guys are like, I- I'm here to show off. Like, I'm here to show off my skills and what I can do with a dog. And yeah. the pressure was on, too. Like, the guys I was hunting with were like, you need to show up. This don't <laughs> suck, Memphis, right? Like, they're busting my chops. Yeah. And, you know, I knew the, the pressure was on. Did you on get nervous? To, what's up? Did you get nervous? So, n- no. I mean, I, I think I didn't hit a few ducks right off the bat <laughs> and I got into my groove. But, um, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to impress these guys and I knew that, you know, good business things could happen if we yeah, do, sure. right? Sure. So, here we go. A couple of the other dogs that are are in this impoundment that are hunting with the other guys or aren't doing their job. And there's a couple of other guys, birds down and like ours land across a, a dike and she's got us in and out, in and out, in and out. And yeah, you know, kind of cool stuff. So the shooting ceased, Cease ceased fire. fire, cease fire, cease fire. And it's time to pick up some birds. And, uh, my buddy, Ollie, who I'm sitting in the blind with yells over to the other guy and he goes, you ready to watch this? And I'm like, son of a gun. And we went bird for bird for bird for bird. And people were yelling from their blinds, we got one over here. And like pointing to it and back and a couple whistles. And she just was a nailing them. Workhorse, dude. Workhorse. And I can't. Like, when the last bird was picked up and she's sitting next to me in the Momarsh blind, like, looking up at me, I was like, oh, wow, we got something here. Like, it's a special dog. Yeah. I was so proud of her. And people were, you know, doing the old patchy on the back and what a nice dog she is. And yeah, I couldn't. Anybody else's dog do that? Well, don't tell Steve this, but uh, <laughs> uh, old safe. She had a great hunt, too, actually. She did really, really well for those guys. They were on a far end of the swamp, so we didn't yeah. get to see her work that day. But, yeah, it was, you know, maybe three or four different groups of hunters that got to see her do what we've trained her to do. And, man, that's something special and something to be proud of. And I It's hope- really cool. It's like even if, you know, I feel like waterfowling is really cool because everybody has, uh, in varying levels, but a love for dogs and then a a true appreciation even if you don't have a dog yeah. you like watching a dog work well everybody loves dogs but right. i feel like you know waterfowling there there's that that partnership and you know i guess that bond between like the shooter and and the retriever and it's just incredible yeah again some may call it the unspoken <laughs> bond genius spoken bond yeah i'll pat myself on the back for that one again so those are some of my memorable retrieves from my dogs, and I've been on hunts with dogs that I've trained for other people and got to experience that same feeling with them so they get to see their dog make some of these you know, great retrieves and these athletic feats. That's got to be something to be proud of, too. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I agree. And it's really, really neat, but... But to see someone else enjoy it is really yeah. cool and then see their eyes light up when their dog can do the things that they really didn't think they could do and just is super proud. But those are my memorable retrieves. As we grow through the Lone Duck Gun Dog Chronicles, we're going to ask our interviewees these same questions, like dogs that made an impact on their lives, their first dog, their first retrieve, you know, their first duck, what did they kill? Just kind of get to know people on a different level 
Um, not super interview style. I want to be conversational and enjoyable and relaxed and fun. I'm not a very strict kind of guy, so I don't want it to be like, all right, question number one, what kind of food is your favorite, right? Like that stuff stinks. So we're going to ask really cool questions and get these guys to open up, guys and girls, to open up and have fun and talk about their dogs, talk about their lifestyle, and share that with everybody. But now, getting into the question number one, Kevin's going to read off some of your Instagram questions. So we've been fortunate to get a lot of excitement around Lone Duck Chronicles, and uh, I'm Lone pretty Duck, pumped, Gun too. Lone Duck, Gundog Chronicles, Kevin. We're working on it. <laughs> We're working on it. So please send in some good questions, Facebook, Instagram, however you want to get in touch. Please send them on in. Email is cool, too. Yeah, I might not get back to you quickly on email, no, but... it never does. I know, sorry. But, so, seeing that, it's, Instagram... Honestly, Instagram would probably be the best yeah, way. Yeah, Instagram's pretty good. At, but, at Lone Duck for at that. At Lone Duck. But greatly appreciate questions, comments, feedback, things you want to hear, things you didn't like about Bob. That's fine. Uh, but first question, Sam, on Instagram. Uh, to neuter or not to neuter? Always the question. To neuter or not to neuter, Sam? No, the dog, not Sam. Right. Sorry, Sam. Uh, yeah. This is a good question. And I'm going to be upfront and honest and tell you that I'm not a vet, but I do have an opinion. And it's... It, You'll hear about it. Yeah, you're going to hear about it, Sam. I swear. So my thought process behind this is, and there is research out on it, is think about what you're taking away from the male or female. You're taking away their reproductive organs. You're you're taking away the organs that give it testosterone or estrogen. These are hormones that help a dog grow and develop mentally, physically, emotionally. And if you cut that off of them and out of them at six months old when they're like in their prime of growing up, I think you're doing a huge disservice to the dog. Now, 90% of vets out there are going to tell you to six months old, get this dog in, get it spayed, get it neutered. You know, we don't need a million puppies running around. And yes, I agree. And here's the caveat, folks. Don't be knuckleheads and let your dog impregnate or get impregnated by another dog. Like, have some responsibility over your pet. They shouldn't be wandering around willy-nilly and get pregnant if we have some responsibility and enough said on that so be responsible about a dog that's you know unneutered or unspayed but my thought process is as the dog ages those hormones are helping its growth plates develop its muscles develop mentally develop and if you take that away at too young of an age you're not helping the dog out um, there's research out there on cancers, uh, females can get breast cancer or, um, I forget what the other kind of cancer is to be quite honest with you. And we'll maybe do some digging on that, but that could be true. But again, who's doing that research and how many sample di samples did they have for that research? Did they do 10 dogs that didn't get spayed, got breast cancer? I don't know. My point is. Do your own research. Do what's best for you and your family. And I think if you're a responsible dog owner, whether you if you don't neuter or spay your dog, you're going to be fine. 
How's that, Sam and Kevin? Love it. Good. Real excited. Good. Uh, Finley, appreciate the question. I've got, uh, Finley says, I have a year-old lab, does very well retrieving, but will drop the bumper at his feet and will not deliver to hand. What would you tell Finley? How are we going to fix that? Gotcha. All right. Finley, my man. Um, super common deal um, for a lot of people. So the things I like to do with a young dog is I've got many tools in my tool belt here to get that dog all the way to me. So I've 99% of the time wearing a baseball hat. I'll take that baseball hat and flap it in the air and like give them the old, hey, 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 real excited voice and back up. So I'll be like lightly jogging backwards, kneeling down almost like bent over in a playful, accepting way with the hat or a bumper or another duck or whatever it is to get that dog to draw in all the way to me. So um, I'm super excitable. I'm kind of high-pitched, squeaky, girly voice like Kevin's. And you didn't see that coming, did you? No, hey. Sorry. Did you see uh, the you Finley? Sound just like did you, me, did you so see that? That's very true. Myself. Did you see the Finley could have been a woman too? No, I looked it up before I said oh, what's up. No, shout out to Finley. Yeah. Now he's insulted. Look at you. I'm just saying. Kev's, you can't see it, but Kevin's face is red. Anywho, so number one thing I would try first, bud, is super excitable. Waving the bumper, waving your hat, backing up, bent over in an uh, excited and inviting way. One thing to remember is if you move towards a dog, then the dog's going to push away. If you back away from a dog, it's going to help suck that dog in. So if your dog's dropping the bumper and you walk towards it and are like, get it, fetch it up, buddy, come on, bring it to me, and you're walking towards the dog, you're not doing yourself any favors. You want to back away from the dog, get fired up, get that puppy fired up, and get them to come to you. Now, Side note, force fetch. Uh, in his notes, he said that the de- dog is a year old. Um, and I don't know Finley personally, or I don't know if I even asked the question like to follow up with him, whether he force fetched the dog or not. But that would be another avenue you could dive into. And that would be teach the dog hold, go through force fetch program, and teach the dog to truly deliver to hand. All right, so our next question is from Braden. Thanks for the question, Braden. Uh, what obedience techniques do you use with a high-intensity gun dog? The old adage is if you've got a fast dog, go slow, and if you've got a slow dog, go fast. So quick example would be Memphis is super high drive, super intense, and kind of crazy. So I am more calm. My voice, my movements are more slow, subtle, and I take my time. And the other end of that spectrum would be like Katie. Katie the Chessie is a little bit slower. So I move fast. I'm quicker. I'm high-pitched voice. A little bit more excited. Yeah, more excited. I'm getting her jazzed up. If I get Memph jazzed up, hang on on tight. You know what I mean? So with a really fast, high-intensity dog, he'll work. Go slow, slow steps, corrections throughout. Um, take it easy. You know, just 
move through the program and work the dog through. And if you take that approach, you should be able to keep the dog in a little bit more lower end. Awesome. So our next question is from Travis, uh, who's starting the hold process of force fetch with his dog. And the dog is spitting the bumper if he lets go of his dog. So how, uh, how are you going to help Travis? Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, so a little bit more background on this. Um, Travis has been working on hold for a few days now, I guess. Um, and the dog has started to accept the paint roller in his mouth and is not fighting him anymore. But as soon as he relaxes and lets go of the dog to like, just sit there and hold it, dog right. spits it immediately. So what I do, I'm right-handed. So I've got my left hand on the dog's collar. I've got my right hand, like, palm up, fingertips going towards the dog's throat, right? So, like, my hand's underneath his jaw, and my thumb is in front of his mouth, right? So if he spits the bumper out, it's going to hit my thumb. I'm going to push the bumper back in with my thumb. So you're kind of acting as, like, a barrier so it can't get spit out, 100%. Then with my palm, I'm going to pop the dog underneath the jaw. Not aggressive, not crazy, just a minor correction and hold. So just pop. so he knows. Yeah, yeah. You're just uncomfortable, comfortable. You yeah. do good, good things happen. You don't, you're going to get a little pop under the jaw and the still bumper's still going to be in there because my thumb's there, right. right? Does that visualization, like as I'm explaining it to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got cool. you. So then what I'll do is, because he's saying, like, if he lets go of the dog, the dog will spit it. Now I'm going to move my hand just a little bit further away and be ready. So your job is to talk calmly to the dog, pet him behind the ears. Good, hold, good, hold. They start to spit it. Wham, there's your thumb. Pushing it back into their mouth. Pop them on their jaw. Good, And it's hold. A, an immediate correction. It isn't like you wait Yeah, I don't let the dog spit it. Right. Like, my timing is quick so that the dog doesn't spit it. Now. Trust me, I'm not perfect, but 90% of the time, the dog can't spit the bumper out because my hand's right there. And then, to be honest with you, like to take one step further into this question, I don't focus on hold. Like, force fetch teaches a dog to grab something, have it in their mouth, and not drop it until I tell them to. So if you do force fetch properly, hold is going to be there. The only reason I really do hold is to get the dog to kind of submit to having something in their mouth and get comfortable doing this stuff. So it, I don't so it's like sit, a half step process. Kind of, yeah. You kind of half step it, if you will. Right. Um, so don't worry too much about hold. Don't spend two or three weeks on hold. I spend like three or four sessions on hold, and they're like three to five minute sessions. So once the dog stops chewing the bumper, rolling the bumper with their tongue and like banging their head around trying to get you to let go of them and let spit the bumper out, once they kind of chill and go with the program and like stop freaking out, boom, I move on to your pinch. Next question. All right. So our next question is from Andrew. Uh, Andrew's been using bumpers just about 99% of the time and just got access to some frozen mallards, which is great, uh, but his dog doesn't really like them. Dog's not a fan yet. So how are we going to fix that? 
Andrew, uh, I know your pain, buddy. When Buck was a puppy, I had a hard time finding birds as well. And so it took him a little while for that light bulb to go off and have him realize that birds were his best buddies. Um, so here, a, a couple things you can do. Like one, you know, Kevin had made a comment about like, hey, wouldn't force fetch fix that? Like, yeah, of course it will. Um, Is it going to fix it all the way though? Or are, you, are there like other things? Yeah, yes. It would fix it all the way. Um, again, force fetch, just to digress for a second, force fetch is twofold. One, it teaches the dog how to learn. So we apply pressure, ear pinch, toe hitch, pressure gets turned off by having the bumper go in the dog's mouth and praise. So the dog's learning that complying quickly with a command, pressure gets turned off and good things happen. So so it's just like a light pressure. So the dog's kind of uncomfortable, isn't, doesn't really like it too much. Right, right. And again, maybe depending on the dog, you're increasing pressure, decreasing pressure, reading the dog's body language, figuring it all out, but correct. Like I'm applying uncomfortable situation, show him how to get out of that like teach him show him how to turn that pressure off and the dog's going to all of a sudden become snappy and turn that pressure off so force fetch number one teaches the dog how to learn force fetch number two teaches the dog how to go and get something bring it all the way back to you and deliver it to hand without dropping so for instance you got a kevin shoots crippled birds all the time <laughs> but you got a crippled bird dog has to exit you know the shoreline and bring it up the shore to you. They drop the bird to shake off. Duck flies away, runs away. Wild goose chase. Where do you think they got the term, right? So with force fetch, it's going to teach that dog, get out of that water. Don't drop the bird. You can shake off if you want or don't shake off. I don't care, but don't drop that bird. Bring it all the way to me. I'm going to take that bird from you. Now you can shake. Now you can do whatever you want. Life is good. So, again, twofold, teaches the dog how to learn, and two, it teaches them to properly and gently deliver to hand. So, to answer the question in simplest form, Andrew, force fetch, right? That'll do that. But maybe Andrew doesn't feel comfortable force fetching. Maybe that's not what he wants to do. Maybe the dog's too young. I don't know. Maybe he's three months old. We don't force fetch dogs until they're six, seven, eight months old. That was going to be a question I had, is at what age would you recommend personally, like, when someone sends you a dog and says, hey, this is something I got to do, but I got a three-month-old, when would you say, hey, come talk to me? Let's let's try and create a, a plan for success for your dog. Gotcha. When's the ideal age? Yeah, that's a good question. So general rule of thumb is we don't start force fetch until the dog has its adult teeth, which is like six, seven months old. So once all their adult teeth are in, that's when you can kind of begin that process. For us in our gun dog program at Lone Duck Kennels, we take dogs in at six months and up to, I mean, I've got Grace right now that's six years old and she's going through force fetch. God have mercy on us both. But, you know, the, it doesn't matter. We can teach her and we're going to work her through it at just like I can teach and work through that six-year-old or, excuse me, six-month-old. So same process, two different dogs, two different ages, same process. Um but anyways, so I'm not doing force fetch on a three-month-old. 
I'm not making a three-month-old do anything. Three-month-old, they need to be people, places, people, places, and things. Socialization, fun, life is great, people are great, birds are great, water is great, life is great, right? Being a puppy. Don't pee in the house, don't jump on me, don't nip me, Yeah. and love to retrieve. If you can do those three things at three months old, you are kicking butt. Back to his question, though. So with that duck, right? So force fetch would be answer number one, simplest form. Number two, dude, play with that duck. Get him to chase it. High-pitched voice. Sound like a goofball. Do it. If you're nervous about how you're going to sound to your buddies, do it where no one can see you. But your job is to get that dog to love birds. So... Can, I'll grab a Can dog. you give me a high pitched? Yeah, oh, hey, come on, buddy. Hey, here we go, Kevin. Get that bird. Get that bird. Hey, buddy, come on. Right? All kidding aside. Yeah, it makes sense. The dogs are all perking up like they know what's yeah, going on. They're ready to roll. Head. She knows. So that that is, man, that's weird. But yeah, that's what I do. And my job as its owner and trainer is to make it awesome. So Again, to kind of give you that visualization, if you can kind of like close your eyes and think about what I'm doing, I've got that duck by the wing. I'm dangling it around. I'm spinning in circles. I'm dragging it along the ground, and I'm waving it around. And hey, 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 come on, puppy, puppy, puppy. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And this dog is now like curious, inquisitive, excited. A lot of smells on that bird too. Like that's going to help. Right. And I'm building that desire to chase the bird that's in my hand. And then as I'm noticing, this dog is, like, licking its chops. Like, yeah. let's go, baby. Ready to rock. And then, boop, I toss it. And then, boop, the dog goes and picks it up or doesn't pick it up. If it doesn't pick it up, hey, come on, buddy, let's go, let's go. I walk over and I grab that bird and, bah, 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 hey, 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 throw it. And if it doesn't do it, I do it again. And right. I do it again. And I make it positive. I've seen... I've seen some people that like slam the bird in the dog's mouth and, you know, don't do that. Don't come and hang out with me if you're going to do that. That's the opposite of what we do. At this young age, if the dog doesn't like birds, it's your job to get them to like them any way possible. And then second, if if you truly can't do it, force fetch. Boom. Episode one in the books kevin thank you for joining me feels good feels real good love it love it uh super excited for episode two through who knows how many this is going to be an awesome journey do me a favor do kevin and i a favor give us some feedback i mean this is not for us it's for everybody that participates in the retriever and gun dog and hunting and waterfowl and upland like this is for everybody so give us some feedback shoot us some messages on facebook and instagram uh you can find that if you just do the old search bar and facebook that's lone duck outfitters l-o-n-e for some of the old bankers and stuff i've had people be like how do you spell that l-o-a-n no l-o-n-e d-u-c-k outfitters baby and then at Lone Duck for Instagram. Um, if you do like what you hear, subscribe. I mean, we're going to be doing this. We're going to have a lot of pretty cool people, friends, acquaintances. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be a journey. So 
Please subscribe. Let us know what you think. If you have questions for our Q&A, do me a favor. Shoot it to us. DM us. It goes down in the DM. And in the fine words of Dr. Dre, get ready for the next episode, episode. Hey, patreon.com forward slash lone duck outfitters. It's a community that we built to help you and your dog on your journey to next duck season. There's videos that don't hit YouTube. There's happy hours where we drink a couple beers and I answer your questions every other week. And by the way, if you join between now and September 1st, you're entered to win a hunt with me and Kevin and other Patreon members. So jump in. Let's go join the community. We appreciate it. And we'll see you there. Hey listeners, Nick Larson here, host of the Bird Shop Podcast. As fans of this show, you may be interested in the conversations on the Bird Shop Podcast, where we discuss all things upland hunting, from upland birds and their habitat and conservation to the shotguns, bird dogs, and gear used to pursue them. Whether you're a seasoned upland hunter or just getting started and wanting to learn more, I interview a wide range of guests, each with their own unique perspective and valuable experience to share. If you're on the hunt for more upland hunting conversation, please consider subscribing to the Bird Shop Podcast today. Thank you.